Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Welcome to Pili, Raul, and La Musica, supported by Sure Microphones and Jack Daniels. For more information, follow us at Pili, Raul, and La Musica. Jack Daniels presenta Pili Raúl en la música with none other than the amazingly talented and just gorgeous duo Busca Bulla. Luis Fre, Raquel, thank you so much for saying yes to this. We know that you guys are extremely busy right now promoting your first album. Yay, finally! Um, we made so an album. It happened. <laughs> it happened. I mean, we've been waiting for this it album since happened. you guys started almost a decade ago. So, almost, almost, almost. People keep saying that. Almost. What are you talking about? It's fine. It's a lot of time, but you know, it's what, it's what, it's what you put in. Yeah. <laughs> good things come to those who wait, right? <laughs> I mean, you gotta. It's the only way to think. I think there's some good things coming. <laughs> yeah. I, well, God knows. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. You, you guys have had a couple of EPs before, and now finally the debut full length. Just talk to us a little bit about the record first. I know it's like we said, it was you know a few years in the making. Give us a little tidbit on what's been going on with this new record. Well, the record has been in the making probably for about two and a half years. That's right. I mean, we even started writing some songs even before we moved to Puerto Rico, but those were kind of just you know sketches that ended up being in the record. But um. Yeah, and we moved back home to Puerto Rico in uh, February 2018. And, um, and we kind of knew that we were going to have a lot of emotions and that it was going to be crazy with the change of perspective and place. And, and we decided to use sort of those emotions to pour into this record that we titled Regresa. So, I mean, given the fact that you guys have been waiting such a long time to finally put out there all of your creativity and emotions and everything that goes into putting a, a full-length album out there. And unexpectedly, we get hit with COVID. And I was looking at your tour dates, and you guys had tour dates in all over Europe, all over South America, <laughs> the U.S. Obviously, that's not happening. How are you guys coping with kind of like that hit? Yeah, I mean, it seemed, to be honest, like a little too good to be true right at, <laughs> at the beginning. Um, but, uh, but you know, look, we're, we're trying to make the most of it. We're, we're sort of, um, we're doing a lot of stuff from here, from home. You know, the, the latest video we put out for the song Nidia, we did basically all on our iPhones here at home in quarantine. And, and it, you know, it just forces us into a position of trying to sort of wear different hats and be creative in different ways that we haven't been before. You know, I think that that's... I mean, that's one way of coping. Yeah. It's just trying to. I was work bummed maybe the first week, and then I was like, very like, hmm, maybe this is actually a good opportunity to get really creative. And and it's always good that we get to stay home with our daughter anyway. So I'm like, maybe that's a blessing. I don't know. True. Or at least that's what I want to think. And you guys kind of had the upper hand. Too. Raul and I were talking about the fact that you guys have always been kind of like do it yourself. 
You know, you've yes. always been very involved in your visuals, um, your wardrobe, your look. So how have you used that experience of doing it yourself before and now everyone's doing it already, but you guys have the experience anyways. <laughs> That, well, that's the 10 years we've been working yeah. at it, you know what I mean? <laughs> get that experience it's in there. Just just keep making it yourself, babe. It's just like, it looks like it's, you know, it's funny because when you start, you know, like ga gaining more fans, you get like more like budget money to make videos and you can like hire people. But then it's clearly money is not even, you can't really do that much unless, you know, you want something animated or something like that. But it's I, actually... I, pretty enjoy it actually i'm kind of um not a control freak but in a way i kind of really like to kind of have control over like our visuals what we do so in a way it's fun and and maybe actually the fact that you can get away with making an iphone video is kind of cool because um you sort of bypass whatever aesthetics yeah, i guess people forgive a little bit you know yeah because they're, they're, you understand they're willing to see yeah whatever what'd you what'd you do at your yeah. house let me see you know but that's I mean? actually very freeing i mean when we were making this video we actually tried a lot of stuff that never even made the cut and i wonder if we would have done that professionally with a group of people like would have we been able to make the same decision or we would have just have to be stuck with sort of whatever thing was tried because money was put into it. So it's kind of freeing in a way. Actually. Yeah, we it's were, cool. We were able to be as psychopathic as we would like, you know, <laughs> like with the, with the edits, with the filming, with anything. <laughs> and you mentioned getting to spend time with your little one, with your daughter these days. She just celebrated her sixth birthday. So happy birthday to Charlie. Yeah, we'll tell her we'll yesterday. Know. Thank you. She's in the room. Is she already? IPad. She's already asleep. She's not. She's in the room with her it's kind iPad. Kind of her bedtime now-ish, you know. So <laughs> she's you know, fine. She might things. interrupt us. It's it's it, it happens. Might but it, happen. She might not. <laughs> Just see what happens. She's she's part of the band. She comes with the package, she's you know. Because even when you guys go on tour, Indeed. yeah, she. I, I've seen her in the green rooms. Like I think maybe three or four times over the years yeah. because she's actually been. She's our manager. You know, going to the she's gigs a, with you she's guys. She's our manager. <laughs> she's our manager. <laughs> You know, Raul and I have known you guys for a very long time. Um, Raquel and I actually go way back to the 90s when, for some very odd reason, we used leg warmers in hot, oh, humid yeah. Puerto Rico. Oh, yeah, leg warmers. Yeah. <laughs> How can we forget? <laughs> and uh, we did a photo shoot for a magazine together wearing those leg warmers. And I remember <laughs> that Raquel used to do earrings made out of vinyls. And yeah. I was dating a guy. I was like obsessed with the jewelry that you were making. And obviously I was always obsessed with music. So I was like, oh, that's so cool. Jewelry made out of vinyl. And I was dating this guy. And I was like, can you please buy me these earrings? And he went <laughs> and he bought like two earrings. I remember like they were wow. black and yellow for some reason. So I remember that. Wow. But you've I rem always I remember been the pair you got. That's you do? Fun. Yeah, I do. I do remember. I remember them. Yeah. That's awesome. That's how I used to get by in college. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they were magical. Awesome. I used to, I definitely loved mine. They might still be in Puerto Rico. When I go back, I'll check and see if they're still there. But uh, you've always been extremely creative, you know, and you've always been doing things yourself. And it's funny now that you mentioned that now that you guys are getting way bigger to the point that you just released an album 20 days ago. And some of the songs already have millions of downloads on Spotify. So you're getting more money, but... Is it weird, like, not being comfortable using that money? Because what you just mentioned now as to the video that, you know, you're like, we have more money now, but we kind of still used the iPhone. Is it kind of like if we 
start investing more in the creativity of it, we might lose who we actually are. No, I mean, it can happen. I just think that it's always like, I guess when an artist gets big, sure, there's more budget, but then there's more people kind of working on, on what you're doing. And then wh whether or not those people are aligned with your vision is always, I think, the trickier part, sure. you know, and how you... And then whether or not you can really have the control over the people that you're kind of hiring, that you're collaborating on. Um, I mean, most of the people that we worked on have been pretty hands-on, but we kind of let them know, like, when we start working, we're like, we're super hands-on. Like, we'll, you know, for the Vamono video, like, we designed um, the uh, the costumes. Like, we were literally, like, Luisa and I were literally, like, cutting fabric, like, cutting the patterns and taking it to the seamstress and, like, like really hands-on in a way that maybe some people don't don't imagine it, but we are like, um, and I don't know. I mean, I think it's good. I mean, it's I guess it's tricky with anybody that's creative and you want to get big and how you really work with other people, but it's all in just, you have to just really say, you know, like I, I get the final say, like I, I want to work really collaboratively, the decision-making and and it can be tricky. You know, it can be tricky sometimes. You don't want to, you know, in, in, in the creative business, there's egos and, and you also have to kind of, you know, listen to what your collaborators want. And then you just have to make sometimes, you know, like decisions. Um, but there is something freeing about the DIY aspect um, that I actually really like. And, and I don't know if that could be limiting, but I actually sometimes feel that our, our best work sometimes comes with just us making everything. Because we also produce our own music and right. write our own songs. So. And also, by the way. Sebastian's got a good point here from the chat. Millions of streams equals dot zero zero cents. eight cents. <laughs> so I don't know how much more money we really do have. You know, we'll see. I guess you guys you know, are becoming gazillionaires. Really like gazillionaires. <laughs> and it's mostly kind of promotional money, anyway. You know what I mean? But um, now, when you even bring up the word collaborators, you know, I know in the beginning you guys really worked a lot with uh, Dev Hines, um, Blood Orange, and he really kind of helped, you know, begin that career for you guys and mold the sound of what we hear now that is Buscabuya. And there's maybe been people like uh, El Lado Negro, you know, to name a couple, but we don't see that many collaborations on this new record. All us, baby. I mean, no, there no, is a lot. There is a lot of collaborations. There are just no like features. You know what I mean? Which is sort of a thing that lately I feel has sort of, I don't know. I feel like it's gone kind of out of control. The features now feel like business mergers or something in music. Like it doesn't seem like two f two friends that just met up and wrote this song together. Like it all seems like features or it's just very organic nowadays. Business moves or something. So there was actually like a lot of collaboration. It's just that. It's not technically a feature, so you can't sort of just credit everybody that's on it. But um, it was a pretty collaborative record. I mean, we collaborated with Nick Hakim and Bairoa, oh, like wow. our, our yeah. synth and Our main our collaborator, Bairoa. Yeah, like he basically would, all over the record. Yeah. We, we, would, nice. we would basically just have him you know, migrate out here to Aguadilla for a couple of days every week and, and work on track. So, and, yeah. you know, we do a bunch of stuff. We would go in his car and, you know like record songs in the car oh, with like the mobile studio with the mobile studio just hook up you know like the the interface into the computer and then right into the aux and uh you know just record wherever um we collaborated with uh roberto carlos lange you know el Negro. Negro. he yeah. did a you know on, on this one he did something really exciting he went, he went and did a like a string and horn arrangement on a on a track 
that by the way I wrote, which is pretty cool, you know. Um, I'm really happy. <laughs> if you do say so that, yourself, you know. I'm no. It's cool that he did that for the song I wrote, you know. Yeah. But also, but yeah, you know, it, it was a collaborative thing. But I think at the end of the, the day, we were like, you know, we had, yeah, there wasn't any technical features. I mean, it's funny because Elado Negro's last album, there's a lot of actual like collaboration. Like I I was on his record and Ella Minas and a lot of people and and a lot of people technically weren't like sort of credited as features but there's a lot of collaboration we've been playing it quite a bit on kcrw and just kind of diving yeah. into a few of the tracks that are featured on there and you guys mentioned nidia and immediately asked billy like who is nidia can you guys <laughs> explain to us a little bit who nidia is nidia caro is like a i say an, an iconic um puerto rican singer actress uh songwriter and she had a tv show she's mostly known for being like a very graceful chanteuse in a way. She had a TV show in Puerto Rico for a while, so she kind of became part of our sort of popular culture through her TV show. And she was just, she was sort of the antithesis of Iris Chacon. You know, Iris Chacon was sort of more cartoony, Kardashian-y, and then Nidia was actually more kind of like mystical, angelic, and moody, and, and she kind of brought something really cool. I say it was a very sort of soft feminine energy to sort of our, our culture, but one day Lisa and I were at this party and we just ran into her. Um, her daughter kind of introduced us and I was like sort of starstruck and and we started chatting it up and she was just the coolest lady and um, we ended up saying like, how about if we meet like uh, for coffee? Like, And so we ended up meeting her like a couple of times while we were working on the record and she... Um, she just has a lot of knowledge, you know. She's 70 now. She's lived a lot. Like, she was, you know, she traveled the world. She won, like, songwriting contests. She was on TV. She was, like, best friends with Walter Mercado. You know, she knew she's Luis just, Miguel when he was a kid. Yeah, she know? just has, like, this whole history, these crazy stories. And um, But aside from that, like, I, I really came to her to kind of ask for advice. Like, what do you do, like, when you love music, but you're getting older, when you have kids, like kind of just mostly like women issues as you're getting older or like just things that happen in the music industry and she just had like great advice for me and it really helped me because I was sort of when I met with her I was really going through this like crazy insecurities with the record like we weren't sure like where it was heading you know when you're working on a record is so chaotic and she just had great advice and then that's how the song came about and we ended up kind of quoting her and one of her like our talks and so what she says at the end of the song is actually just part of our conversation that we were recording so she's um i don't know it all came together in a really mystical way even the fact that we weren't able to put this video out in january because we got hit with an earthquake out here in puerto rico for those who don't know we got hit by a 6.4 several it was honestly several it was like yeah, 6.2 a 5.8 then a 5.5 and then the other day a 5.0 jeez never yeah. it never ends so we ended up making the video in quarantine, and I think that it even gave it even more meaning, like what it meant to put it out during this time and what the song says, you know, so. It's quite interesting that you mentioned that about, you know, getting older in the entertainment industry in general, because Susan, who's actually here listening to the podcast, she and I were having a great conversation the other day about, as women, we don't, you know, we're so focused and so pressured by society to look good and be sensual and... And men don't really have that pressure. And men will never, ever, ever feel the pressure that we constantly have. What advice did Nidia give you that you're applying now? Oh, Nidia said it should only be about the music. 
she said, you should just never forget that. And it's just, I can't believe that I even forgot that. You know what I mean? It's really the <laughs> one thing that really matters. But it yeah. just seems like all these other things matter. It just, it doesn't matter anymore that you might write good songs or are talented, but it's, everything else is so important now. Videos are so important and your styling and, and all these other things. And we just live in an era where it's, those things have really sort of overshadowed the songwriting and and all these other things that should still be more important you know what i mean and um i mean these other things are and and, and i'm very excited to work on them but in the end if you really stick to music then you'll be you know i see people like yoko ono or juana molina and um patty smith you know i see these women that have grown older and they're like so wise and it's always been about the music for them so it's sort of i I like to really kind of think that I would love to kind of achieve something similar to what they have achieved because they're just they're just really cool chicks and they're they don't care about sort of age, you know, and it's it's really beautiful to see. That's awesome that she brought you back to what actually matters to the root of it. Yeah, it's always about the music. I mean, there was a DJ who was legendary and iconic. His name was David Mancuso, who passed away a few years back. And kind of the same thing. I got the chance to talk with him one time and he told me one sentence. That's all he said. And he goes, we're all fans of the music. And that was it. It was yeah. in the middle of a DJ set. And that just kind of stuck with me forever. Just the, the way you're talking about, you know, it, it's always all about the music. Now, you mentioned she also said some crazy stories. What are what, if there's <laughs> one little kind of a PG, maybe R light story? I don't remember. Care, care to share I one? I can't just like I can't just like <laughs> reveal her secrets. Come on. <laughs> what well, doesn't have to be a secret? Well, Nidia is definitely a great song. It's one of your singles from your new album, um, Regresa. And the video is absolutely beautiful. I can't believe you guys shot that from your iPhones. But going back to, you know, the sensuality and just being female in music, we have seen you, you know, in this span of almost a decade, grow so much, Raquel, especially in this new album. I feel like your vocals are stronger than ever. Um, is, does this come with just experience? Were you, was this the goal? Um, did you want to sing more? Have you been taking song lessons? Like what? Because there has definitely been an evolution, um, I feel like, in your voice and also on your stage presence. Yeah, actually. I mean, when I started making music, I hadn't ever taken a, a, a singing lesson. I was so like, um, uh, I don't know, it was just so uh, instinctual and in a way like um, just kind of having fun and kind of winging it because at the beginning, like both Luis and I didn't really ever know <laughs> that the, this thing would ever evolve to what it has evolved nowadays. <laughs> um, and I mean, and it was a vibe too to not exactly sing perfectly. I think it's maybe something from my generation too. Like lately, I've seen a lot of artists embrace more like imperfections or not wanting to auto-tune their voice too. So similar to kind of Dev or even like Grimes at the beginning. Um, so it was sort of a vibe and it was fine. But then I think eventually I was like, I, I felt like I had the potential to sing better, but clearly I'm still learning. It's such like a, a crazy craft technique that to master. But yeah, I did. I literally started going to a little like a school like in Aguada. And I would like drive. Shout there. out to Tonos. 
Tonos Music Academy. And I just took literally like traditional, just like voice lessons while we were recording the album. And, uh, you know, just trying to do more with my voice, just trying to expand it or just try to carry different emotions. I mean, I still feel that I'm definitely still in diapers in that way. But yeah, it was, I definitely wanted to expand that and just try different things. And it was fun. It was tough too. <laughs> well, it, it sounds fantastic. Your voice is like, it just oozes perfectly into the mix. And I also want to know a little bit about the evolution of the sound that you guys have created, because you guys are on this kind of lush, really pretty, very sexy, Caribbean-infused kind of trip-hop. And it's just all these different sounds that come into the mix. But how has the sound evolved over the years? I think that uh, it's funny because I feel like the record has been a culmination of explorations that we did with EP1 and EP2. Um, because now as I start thinking about a second album, I feel like already my mind is sort of going to another place. But... Um, I don't know. I think like I'm we've always been very inspired by what's going on. I mean, we're inspired by Bad Bunny and Urbano music and we're inspired now more than ever that people are kind of embracing port, like Puerto Rican Spanish and and it, there's also been kind of like more like a return to the roots and we've been also wanting to kind of evolve, you know, sometimes people call us that we're like a synth pop band or what have you and and sometimes we don't really feel that that's really what we are. We're like, we have, we use synths, but there like... There are synthesizers <laughs> in there. So lately I like to call, uh, like I like to say that we make experimental pop, like like Latin experimental pop. It's like a better way for me to think about it. And I feel that the more that people try to kind of box you into a genre or they relate you to bands that you kind of feel like, I don't really feel like I'm on the same vibe. And so you just, I feel like the more that that happens, the more we want to just try new things and just be bold and and just try to really mm -hmm. kind of keep pushing the envelope of sort of what we've done before. So um, I don't know really how to describe our process. It's kind of haphazard, but we always have to have like a foot in something that is from our Latin sort of heritage. You know, we, we love Latin music, Latin percussion, Caribbean music. Like, I feel that that's really what gives us our identity. Like if we didn't have that, I would, wouldn't really feel like it was, it would be proper. Like, I really feel like it's part of our identity in a way what made us different in New York. I mean, we were really, we were proud of our sort of heritage, but we wanted to be weird about how we kind of approached it or how we appropriated it. And um, and I feel that um, coming back to Puerto Rico, we just wanted to kind of push more of that experimentation and and maybe even try and be like in Tartaro. Like I feel like we kind of dabbled with salsa, but it wasn't really like maybe the bridge had kind of like a montuno sort of thing but then we we're like let's really like make a song let's make a guajira let's really take these rhythms and really kind of evolve it and 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 do something with a bolero like really try and 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 really incorporate it in a better way so i feel that that's was a lot of the things we were exploring but also just wanting to broaden what tropical music is what what warm weather music sounds like not just limit ourselves to the Caribbean, but we were listening to Somali funk and, and a lot of like Indian music and music from other parts of the world where it's warm that we thought was really cool because we felt that there is sort of a... Kinship. Yeah, there's a kinship with <laughs> other countries that have our same weather. It's 
I don't know if, you know, you get, you probably, if you're from warm weather, you probably get along better with people that come from warm weather or like, you know, than people that come from cold weather. I mean, I think that there's something in our constitution and our DNA that kind of makes us different. And um, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's part of the things that we were trying to do with the album, but sometimes it's very hard to put into words. <laughs> that's exactly it. You, we, you can't put Busca Buya into any one genre. You hear the different styles and you hear all those different influences come through. And that's what really kind of separates you from all the others and it's what makes your sound very magical and i mean as a puerto rican myself we deal with this duality all the time you know we have like we're from the caribbean but we're very much influenced by europe we're very much influenced by south america central america obviously the united states as well and i think one of the things that has made you guys stand out so well is the fact that you've really honed on that like you've made it your own sound but it still keeps that tropical island vibe vibrant. And what's interesting is that when I go to your concerts, a lot of your fans are not even Spanish speakers. A lot of your fans are... Cold weather people. As <laughs> cold, cold, cold weather people. They're cold weather people looking for that warmth in Arctic their music. heads. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, maybe they need a little bit of warmth. <laughs> to me, that means the world, because at the end of the day, like, um, we like to make music that the sonics are powerful enough where if you don't understand what, what you, you're saying, that it still speaks some sort of emotion or a vibe. I think that's great, because I feel that it means that music can actually maybe move beyond language barriers, and I, that's exciting. That's really exciting to me. And I mean, it's something that we've seen with Calle 13, now Residente. You know, he uses a lot of very specific Puerto Rican lingo. You guys do the same. I think Bad Bunny does the same in some way. But not all Puerto Ricans do the same and are successful in it. And you guys have just really created your own sound, never leaving your Puerto Rican roots. And talking about Puerto Rico, we cannot not talk about the fact that Puerto Rico has been going through such harsh times during the past couple of years. And you guys lived in New York, decided to move back to Puerto Rico, which is completely amazing. And we need more people like you going back to the island for sure. You named this album Regresa, obviously in a way, kind of like what you did, you know, you went back. So how has Puerto Rico influenced Buscabulla, not only in your sound, but just as human beings, visually, aesthetically, all of it. I think in every way possible. You know, I think um, being back here, it, it's really particular. I think, you know, we were out for enough time that it felt like something kind of new. You know what I mean? Like it, it felt like we were sort of rediscovering, like tracing back our, our paths, you know, our, our ancestral paths. So, you know, in that way, I think we got a little inspiration from everywhere. Um, there's this festival that Raquel was obsessed with, uh, La Fiesta de la Máscara de Atillo. La you know? de la Máscara, yeah. And, you know, they're, you know, it's a, it's a sort of like a notorious celebration where people go kind of nuts and, 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 <laughs> and they drink a lot and they, you know. They do these crazy wheelies with these Yeah, like, a, like a giant floats that are completely <laughs> decorated and ruffled, uh, you know, uh, textile. Yeah, so it's a lot of, a lot of stuff is interesting because it doesn't really have to do anything with with tourism it doesn't have anything to do with um with be selling or buying anything it's just somebody celebrating something that they care about deeply and almost viscerally like it's not really 
about anything in like a very specific or or pointed out. I think it's just sort of like a community effort. You know what I mean? And it, yeah. And that's really cool. And and I, I and I think that that's happened when you live in New York for too long. Like everything becomes so commercialized. You know, especially living in New York now, like, you know, record stores, bookstores, all these community places, even DIY places keep closing because rent just keeps getting so expensive. So what ends up happening is that New York just sort of loses, lost its edge in a way, at least for me personally. So, you know, I kind of craved part of the improvisation and that kind of community that we always found when we came back home in Puerto Rico and it because that's really how we are like that's how that's how we Puerto Ricans are we will <laughs> we'll we'll drink in the corner of some like you know like a chinchorro you know and we won't care about being someplace fancy like that's just part of it you know just it's about sort of community and people and And it was so, so refreshing to come back home and, like, find that, you know, after living so long in a big city. And it's, and, and and so it's authentic. It's, it, it's authentic know. in a way. You know, authenticity is just something that it, we keep losing in, like, modern society. And communities, like, money just seems to be, like, a big thing to move things. And it's just, it frustrates me personally because as an artist, you want to find things that are authentic and quirky and weird and complex So that's why I'm happy here, because in a way, it's not a perfect place. There's a lot to be done, but that also gives me and Luis a lot of sense of purpose um, to really kind of use our platform or our lives to really make this place better, to, for, for Charlie to kind of see that. Like, it feels like the place that we're supposed to be, but it comes also with a lot of, you know, it's not an easy place to live either. It's, <laughs> not, it's not perfect at all. It's far from perfect. Right. It definitely comes yeah. with its well, challenges. We're definite products of our environments, wherever you may be, you know, and you mentioned Charlie, you mentioned family, you mentioned, you know, being in Puerto Rico. I mean, how much directly related is Puerto Rico into the new album? I mean, it's completely related because the interesting thing is it's not a political record, but it's an emotional record that in a way is the emotions that are a direct product of our political situation. And it's kind of complex because it's like it's not a protest record but it does embody the complex emotions of coming back home to a place that clearly has a lot of issues. And it's being ransacked, you know what I mean? Exactly. So I feel that before, I don't think that we had ever been so honest. Like, I, we really, it's emotional, it has angst, it, is, it, it has, I feel like it has a gamut of emotions. It, it goes from happiness and sort of naivete, and then, and it, then it goes into kind of angsty loneliness then like renewal and then i don't know there's like all these emotions that are about that and and literally that's what somebody feels when you come back to puerto rico i mean and it's yeah. completely related and then sonically i mean it's all there like it's bad bunny is in there and reggaeton is in there and salsa is in there and the caribbean is in there and all these festivities it's all in there it's all like one big kitchen sink for sure it's definitely a beautiful <laughs> record and it definitely it does take us through the gamut of of emotions um and talking about gamut of emotions you guys are partners in real life and i know that must come with <laughs> Wait, its challenges what <laughs> you're like what <laughs> that must come with a lot of challenges uh, and i'm not going to ask you what those challenges are but i do want to know Luis Frey, how, how have you seen Raquel evolve during these 
almost 10 years and Raquel vice versa. I think it's really been incredible to watch. Um, I remember the first time that Raquel sort of, you know, we hung out in her apartment back in New York when we were just meeting and she would play me these demos that she was making like, you know, feeding her turntables into GarageBand and back and then back again and, you know, some crazy setup that just worked, you know, like, for example, that tune Sono that's on our first EP, something that Raquel pretty much had in the bag and I played guitar on it, you know, and it mixed it and that was it, you know, but um, I think it's been incredible to watch. I think she's, you know, um, evolved in, into a, a really sophisticated songwriter. I think... Um, somebody I admire incredibly every day we work and you know I'm, I'm sort of like damn you know like <laughs> you're really you're really good at this like innately you know um for example there's this the track that I wrote on the record called Club Tu y Yo um you know like I wrote it and and it was you know this thing that I was super proud of and 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 Roberto Elado Negro did this arrangement and I had it all in there and we were in New York just mixing the record essentially at, at you know zero hour and um I was just completely stumped. It wasn't done. And, and Raquel just kind of went there. She looked at the session and was like, all right, what do you got going on? You got the strings over here? All right, well, you got the, uh, the keyboards out here? You got the thing? All right, just put these over here and then maybe that over there. But she produced a, a section of that, you know, kind of like immediately. And, you know, it was, it's something that is super impressive. It still surprises me to this day, you know, in, in different ways. It's really cool. Wow, love that kind of take control mentality. That's what it's about, right? It's cool, man. Yeah, totally. She, I mean, when you know what you want, it's cool. You know what I mean? Like, because that, that is a clear path. It's not ambiguous. It's not like, what do we do? You know what I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, no, I, I get it. I think I know what, what is going to work here. I think you do this, you put that in there, and I think that's going to make it better. And it, it usually does. It's crazy. And I'm sure it builds a lot of trust between you guys. So Raquel, how have you seen Luis Rey evolve? It's funny that you say because it is, t for anybody who won't know, it is very tough to kind of have a band, uh, be parents, <laughs> live together. Mm -hmm. Like it's all like, it's, it's complex, but Luis and I are always kind of like, it is, but I, it's literally the tension that really, I think that really makes the thing work i mean if there's the no tension to move forward, you know? if i feel if there's no tension then there's no I, it's like everything it's like you have to go through some kind of struggle to kind of understand things so i think the more aware you are of that so even if there's tension or we fight i think that now we're kind of more aware of that and i think that just being aware i think is the most important thing because if you're not aware then it's you're never going to be able to finish what you're trying to make or create and um And so I definitely feel that, I mean, what I've seen in Luis, definitely, I mean, the fact that he finally, he wrote us a whole song for a the project. Day, the I mean, whole song. Luis Which he's like, obviously extremely <laughs> proud of. I mean, hey. Luis, oh, like, Luis it's had written it's songs. It's a full song, all right? Luis had, and it's a great song. It's a great song. Club Tu Yo is a great song. probably one of the best songs on the record. But the interesting thing is that I would always tell him, like, why are you, like, Luis has so many talents. He's a multi-instrumentalist. He's a great producer. Like, he mixed the first two EPs. Like, but but I was always like, why are you not writing in a way? Like, and, and so to see him, like, kind of lose that inhibition. And actually, I, it's probably, like, one of the most honest songs on the record. And just, he just bared it out like that. And, and the first time he 
he played the song for me. I cried. Like, I was, like, bawling. Like, I was just, like, I couldn't believe that he had written that song. So, I don't know. It's really beautiful. And I think it's great because it means that, like, we're losing our inhibitions. I think that we're becoming braver. And that's definitely something that I see in Luis. And I think it's great. And we feel it. Totally feel it. And what about the evolution of, like, what's been going on these days? You know, with the pandemic and trying to stay creative and trying to stay relevant and putting out an album during these times. How has that affected what you guys have been doing? Well, I mean, at the beginning when we heard about it, we're like, damn, like, do we want to really hold... Do we want to hold this album to see what happens? And the reality was like, we couldn't wait to just put this thing out. Like we were supposed to put out in April, but we got earthquakes in January. So everything got pushed back to May. And even it was in the middle of the pandemic, I kind of felt like maybe this is actually the best time to put out this type of record, which is so emotional, so much about like going through this sort of weird process of having to kind of find yourself with a new situation and not knowing how to deal with it and all the emotions that come with it and then and then kind of coming to terms with it and just sort of embracing the imperfections I mean and that's really what the record is about embracing imperfection and understanding that you can still be happy even with things that are not completely perfect or you even kind of love the imperfection because it does give life like a I don't know it gives it gives it an edge or a meaning so I felt that maybe this was actually the best time to put it out. Um, and, and when I put it out, like so many people keep saying like, first of all, thank you for putting this music out during this time. Like you kind of made my day. Like um, I feel like people have more time to kind of focus on it and have more time to really listen to music. Like I felt like maybe if we wouldn't, you know, releasing an album in May, like this is a time when everybody's sort of releasing the summer singles and everybody's just everybody's out and about and and it ended up maybe it ended up like working in our favor to put it out during the pandemic and and um i still believe that i want to believe that you know i think it's not been that bad i mean but um we have several producers in this um zoom right now we have captain planet we have kowloon we have sebastian that are still producing music these days and putting out singles so yeah i'm sure because that's the power of music we we hear that day in, day out, that people are thankful that there's more music coming out and new music coming out. So we ultimately just want to thank you as well for putting out the new record because it's absolutely fantastic. So <laughs> from all of us, I'm sure we all say thank you. We see some clapping hands Aww, and, you know, the, the, you. that's the beauty of what music is. And I know we're already coming up on the top of the hour and we do a little tradition at room number seven that maybe we can get into right now. Billy. Yeah, let's go you ahead. We can do that yeah, real quick. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So, so because we normally do this at room number seven, the Jack Daniels uh, speakeasy, and um, so we ask seven questions. Las siete preguntas de room number seven. Just kind of machine gun really quick. And the first question is, <laughs> what is your pre-show ritual? Oh, boy, pre-show ritual. Well, Just I, make sure everything's connected. I d- well, Luis has a lot of work <laughs> we, because... We know that. We, we have no road. We have no roadies. We don't have anything. So that's... I'm Mr. All, Roadie. That's all Luis. Mr. Manager. <laughs> Mr. Producer. So I got to do um, much. I Wait, Mr. Songwriter now. Hey. <laughs> Um, I don't, I don't eat. I mean, I can't eat. I mean, you can't eat. I've, I've eaten, I've eaten close to being on stage and it's not pretty. Like, um, I can't eat. I have to literally just like sip on tea. I have to do my, my sort of my gargles, and my whole like, mm-hmm. voice thing. 
We don't have a crazy ritual. The guys are drinking um, and I'm always just sipping on my tea and just being all like kind of like paranoid about my voice. <laughs> and like, um, uh, oh, I'm always the one like writing the set list. I'm like the mom, <laughs> yes, like writing. I'm always the one asking for a freaking Sharpie and like writing the set list. And like, I'm definitely the mom of the band and I'm, I'm the only girl too. So I'm, and I'm the oldest as well. So I guess that's why, but. Um, it's a big sister vibe. It's a yeah. big sister <laughs> And, and, you know, I've seen people fighting over those set lists from shows because they are handwritten. That makes them that much more special. <laughs> That's right. We've been right? thinking about finally getting our shit together and, and having them, them, having them, them printed. Like five, but like, you know, hours before. The no, set. I, I literally make like five of these every time. Like where are you going to put them? If you print them, where are you going to put them? Yeah. How do you remember? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Too many things to do. Yeah. Keep it your way. Keep it like writing down. But... Then that means that you obviously still get nervous, Raquel, before you go on stage. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. I don't know of anybody that doesn't get nervous. I mean, sometimes, I mean, I feel when you go on tour and it's sort of your third or fourth show, you're already kind of, it's fine, but I get nervous. But I, I kind of like to get nervous because it means that I'm, I'm outside of my comfort zone. So I embrace getting nervous because it means that I'm probably doing something that is making me happy. You right. Know? Something that you still care about. Yeah. So... Um, the next question would be, what was the first album that you guys bought? It could be a cassette. It could Crazy, be... Crazy Sexy Cool, TLC, cassette, Casa de los Tapes, This is San when you're, This is literally when Puerto you're going to see the difference in age. I had the 45 of Bon Jovi living on a prayer. <laughs> <laughs> this, is the, this is our age gap right here. Literally. Okay, so Raquel had Bon Jovi living on Facts. a prayer. <laughs> And then you had the cassette for TLC. Crazy, sexy, cool. Love yes. It. Love it. <laughs> yeah. That's, good, good That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So since we are in the, in the presence of Jack Daniels, and if there's anybody on the planet, alive or dead, who would you like to have a drink with? Oh, wow. Good one. Who do you want to have a drink with? No, I've never, never really thought I mean, about it. I've always been obsessed with Juan Luis Guerra. I admire him so much. I feel that he is, what he has done with Caribbean music and just sort of his, his just everything, his trajectory, his whole career has been like so meaningful and just what he's done with sort of Latin music is just... I'm so fascinated that I would just love to sit down and pick his brain and ask him from ever since he was in a, when he was in Berkeley, when he was a student. Like I would just, oh, yeah. I would just want to like review Way his back. whole life. Yeah. I, I and think talk about songwriting too. Hell yeah. He's such a totally. great songwriter. I would do Max Martin. <laughs> you guys know Max Martin, you know, producer from the, the Backstreet Boys. Yeah. Up to crazy songwriter too. in the top 10 last year. Yeah. He only produces hits. I would love to kind of have a, just a chat with this guy yeah. in his brain. I would like to get him drunk. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Just to, just to get his secrets, you know? It's yeah, crazy. pick his brain, right? He's yeah, a hit totally. maker for 20 years. It's crazy. There has to be that formula, right? There has to be, you know, because a lot of people go like, you know, how do these guys do it? Like the Quincy Jones and, you know, all these iconic producers that just hit after hit after hit after yeah, hit. Yeah, what if it's a formula, but it's one of those formulas that takes the entire chalkboard. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and, then, and then somebody takes the eraser. Yeah, yeah you know, I mean, much. it's not really useful. Yeah. I need just simple words of advice from Max Martin. Where's he yeah. at? <laughs> Where is he at? Okay. Okay, you guys have played... All over the world, you've played huge stages like Coachella. 
any backstage anecdote that you guys can tell us about, whether it could be R-rated, everything, everything, todo vale aquí, but it could be, you know, either someone that you bumped into that was like a big idol of yours and disappointed you or not, or something that happened between you guys or any oops, anything goes. I love how she's laughing already. So that oh means there God. must be a good well, one this coming. Is just, Maybe, yeah. I no, we literally just, our last show in Mexico was just one of the worst possible shows you could probably imagine. Like if, I mean, it's it's a, just a funny story. Like literally before going on stage, our like synth player, guitar player is puking. Um, we go on stage. It's like, it's a hundred degrees. Like our equipment starts breaking down the because of the heat. The computer starts sort of <laughs> stuttering on the beat, you know, just. They had to <laughs> like get umbrellas for us to cover like our machinery. Um, we do the set. Like I, I can hardly even breathe. I'm just, I'm it's literally. Like PM. I'm it's about to pass out crazy. with the heat. Like my synth just goes and it just. The heat just... Oh, the synth stopped working. So the everything synth stopped just working. The bricks, you know? <laughs> it was like... And as soon as the show was over, like, our guitar player was... They had to get paramedics. He got to get hooked on an IV. We uh, had to, like, head our way back. We had to do back. emergency <laughs> transport back to the city. Luis and... got sick on the plane back. <laughs> it was, like, literally, like... I but mean, this, was, this was all, like, I think maybe three... Three weeks before COVID, you know? It was literally yeah. three weeks before COVID. And, and in a Where way... Where were you guys like, at? Where was the show? It was, it was in, in Baidora, Baidora. In, in Mexico. But the funny thing is, is like Mexico is one of the funnest places to play. Like it really is. The Mexican <laughs> audience is just... It's unforgettable. You just, go there, you feel like your, your work means something. Yeah, the way that they just feel music is just incredible. And we just really love playing there. But I mean, you know, sometimes... This last time, it really... Uh, sometimes you just have... <laughs> like trips like that that are just crazy and you can't really but that was pretty crazy um have we ever met anybody like famous backstage we, i don't think we've ever met anybody famous period i mean we've like opened for people you know what it is love, is people got like, to meet you guys <laughs> yeah i know I feel, I feel like that's how low the bar is yeah <laughs> no. I'm, I'm i'm trying to remember if we have anybody like that's super like famous we met the you know we opened for cafe tacuba in um, oh yeah in in nyc New yeah York City. and we got to meet i can't remember he changes his name so Ruben? i don't really know what his yeah Ruben. Yeah, we got to meet him and yeah. we got to hang out with the whole band and that was pretty crazy that we and they're just they're just so laid back and chill like that was pretty great. Sweethearts. Really yeah. really nice they're guys. They're really great. Okay, the next question is Living or Dead again, a musical crush and it could be a guy, it could be a girl, it could be f because of the way they write songs or the way they sing, but a musical crush. We've got Antonio Carlos Jobim. That's that's your musical crush. Yes. Totally. Oh man, Love I think that. my musical crush is Caetano Veloso. I mean, I'm like, I'm obsessed with him. Like, I love him. I'm, I'm in love with him now, and he's, I don't know, he's like 75 or something. I'm obsessed with him. <laughs> Those are good ones for sure. Okay. That's a very good one. Um, so we're on our sixth question. We're gonna need a volunteer, someone who can put seven seconds on their phone. Any volunteers? Raise your hand. Wait, I can't, I can't see everyone because there's so many of you. <laughs> okay, Gustavo, we got Gustavo. Gustavo's got his phone out. He's, he's ready. He's ready. Okay, so what song do you think would be your biggest hit? I think Metele is. Okay, Metele, probably. Okay, <laughs> okay. All right. 
So on the count of three, you're going to have seven seconds to sing Metele as fast as you can. So get as much of the song as you can in seven seconds. Let's see. Gustavo, are you ready? Really fast. Gustavo, are you ready? You got to go faster okay, than that. Okay. Ready? Three, two, one, go. Baby, Metele bien bellaco. Very, very good. I think I could have gone faster. That's actually that's actually one of the best ones we've gotten. You know, we've gotten some really bad ones before. Like uh Azdru from Ozo Motley just went and he said, That was it. That was all the song. It's like that was whack, but this was beautiful. That was great the way you guys did that. Um, okay, so the seventh question is asked by the previous guest. And the last guest we had was Mr. Power. And his question was, what's your mission as a musician? And what is the heritage and the legacy that you're going to leave behind? Wow, that's a pretty deep question. I like it. It's Mr. Power. It's very powerful, right? Very powerful. I mean, <laughs> to me, it seems that the more that I work on music, I kind of see that... Um, that I think that my music is very much tied to the place I'm from and Puerto Rico. And I feel that I, it feels like a life mission to kind of make it a better place. Or in a way, I feel like I want people to kind of, I really want to cultivate sort of love for this place, for people that are from Puerto Rico to, to create kind of people to really love it and to take care of it. And I feel like it's, I don't know, there's a big relationship between music and and the place where I'm from, at least for me personally. Yeah, totally. I think that's beautiful. I think maybe if I would have anything to add is like you try to humbly add a little bit of, uh, of something nice into the world and hopefully that, that, can, that can make somebody's life a little bit better for a second, you know? Oh, yeah. you guys made me miss Puerto Rico so much. <laughs> There's a little <laughs> tear coming down. Bam, that's beautiful. Back, babe. <laughs> I'm going. I'll have to be there in June, actually. So I'll hit you guys up for sure. Uh, cool. But now you guys get to leave a question for our next guest. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> what would be for the next guy? Yeah. What would be for the next guy? What do you think makes music good? Oh yeah, that's good. That's a great one. It's a great Perfect. one. And you yeah. get to you you get to you get to answer that. Oh, what with me? Yeah, you guys get to oh. answer that. Okay, well, that's good. Um, I, I, I think something that makes music for me good is something that moves me, you know? Um, something that either takes me on an emotional journey or, or just communicates something profound, effectively, you know, and simply. Yeah, I think that the honesty is a big thing. I think that you can kind of see through music in a way if it comes from an honest place or not. And I feel that, I, feel, I would probably think that the best hits are probably, they come from a very profound place, whoever's writing them. And, and I think that that just kind of hits a vibration that's a whole sort of thing between sort of your, your, your ear and your soul and your heart and your mind. And it's just, it's so powerful. Yeah, what people online call the truth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. We definitely like the truth. See, thank you guys so much. Um, we have so many questions from the audience. We do want to want to open it up to at least two or three questions from the audience before we hear a very special DJ set from Buscabulla. So, uh, Guillo, if you can unmute our guest, or at least um, if if you guys have any questions, just raise your hands and we will unmute you. Any questions Should for Buscabulla? We... Who gets to choose? 
That's a very good question. Pili, you choose. Let's go. Uh, I'm looking through the chat right now. Have, did you guys put in the questions into your? Okay. Um, let me see. Ricky has a question. Ricky Roquero. Can, can we unmute Ricky Roquero? <laughs> and ask your question, sir. Hi, Ricky. What's going on? Hi. Good, good. Impressed by all of this. I've been doing some research on you guys, listening to as much as I can. My question is, you guys hooked up. You're also a couple. You're a family. A lot of bands have some issues. How would you guys compare yourself to the great couples that also work together, like Johnny Cash or Sonny and Cher? It's, I mean, it's, there's got to be some tough times, but kudos to you for, you know, sticking it out. Bands don't always get along, and you guys are also married. So what is your um, your advice Fleetwood to Mac. other couples that are going to do the same? Um, yeah, Fleetwood Mac, another one. I think that... Well, first of all, I think that um, I think the fact that we're parents definitely has our, our feet on the ground. It's it's not an easy thing to do. And I feel that the fact that we have a family kind of really makes us just like. Um, and I think that also like spirituality has a lot to do with it, too. Like just just being grateful, just being present, just really trying to gain that perspective. I think ultimately we want to be successful, but mostly we want to be successful in trying to stay together and, and, and keeping our family together and being and really trying to be happy. And I think that if you want that, then everything else will work according to that. And, and, and that always comes first before the work. I mean, and I know it sounds crazy because some people put the work before and, and God knows how many of these great, um, um, yeah, super couples super couples like maybe put the work before them and they actually did amazing work. But I think in our case, I think that we put that first, you know, I mean, and, and maybe in kind of understanding that, like maybe that makes us do better work. It, it's I'm not sure yet, but um, yeah, we'll see. Right. We'll see in another yeah. 10 years. But <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, so far, 10 years, so 20 good. years, 30 Thank years, you, 40 years. <laughs> yeah. OK. Our next question is from Fernando Fazzari. Fernando, where are you? If we could unmute you. Yeah. Oh, there you are. Hi. Right. He's Mexico. in space. <laughs> Influences from a. Uh, Rock and Espanol groups from Puerto Rico. Any? Nice. Yeah, we actually really loved a, a band called Super Aquello. Eduardo Alegría um, was in. And I remember, what was her the girl's name? Patricia. Patricia. I forgot her last name. It's, I mean, it, the funny thing about this band is that they almost made it big. I think that in some point they got I mean, I think David or, Byrne even was almost yeah, they, about to produce them and stuff. They were amazing, yeah, man. I mean, I, we got to see them. Li- at least I did. I got to see them live several so times. So they and, were always yeah. a really big... Inf- I think they made this sort of artsy Puerto Rican music. And it was weird and beautiful, you know? It, it was, was like... strange and beautiful and touch on sort of all these like interesting themes. I mean, it still blows me away what they were doing. And, yeah. um, and they've been like deeply influential for us. Check for out sure. a track called Amigos de Lejos. Yeah. It's and now Eduardo Alegría has his own project. Yeah, for sure. yeah. It's a great project, yeah. Yeah, he's great. Oh, la alegría, la alegría rampante. Mm-hmm. And you guys love Circo as well. Of course, they just put Fefe. out a new record. Yeah, congrats Circo to, just out put to Circo. Out a new record. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah. But I mean, we've been influenced hola, by... Adios, hola, adios, right? hola. Yeah, we've been influenced by a lot. I mean, I, you know, I... I'd listen to Robbie when I was growing up and all of these other bands. Who else would you... 
Ignacio. Yeah, like, I mean, I grew up. I mean, it's it's an yeah. influence because I essentially my my musical mentor was this guy called the Ignacio Peña, is an amazing songwriter and artist from from back home, and yeah. and uh, I mean, he basically taught me you know how to record on my computer, how to uh, you know appreciate music, just a lot of stuff, you know. Um, yeah. So a, a big influence for sure. Yeah. Also, not mm-hmm. not technically a rock band, but Mima, the artist Mima, Jerimir Kabang, like was a huge huge influence. But but pretty rock and roll. Yeah. Not technically a rock band, but yeah, pretty rock and roll. But kind of punk in a way. Like good. her she was a really big influence. You guys should check out all these people out. Good music is good music, right? That's what yeah. I see. So we I think I think we have time for one more question. Anybody wants to ask the third and last question? Okay, Gustavo has a question. Gustavo. Where's Gustavo? Gustavo in Puerto Rico. There What's he up? Is. Considering the current times that we're living where would you most enjoy playing next? Maybe in Puerto Rico, maybe. Where would you enjoy playing? Uh, drive-in concert? Yes. <laughs> in Arecibo, there in Arecibo is, there's a, a drive-in. drive-in theater, and we keep fantasizing that maybe it can become a venue, and people can just drive. And well, those are coming. <laughs> those are coming. A lot sure. of the promoters out there are starting to yeah. do this. And I think that there's, I read somewhere that there's drive-in churches. So I'm like, wait, if there's if drive-in there's churches. there's a drive-in church there could be a drive-in concert venue. And I think that they're already starting to do these. Yeah, Germany and Berlin are doing it. I'm kind of excited because it means that the medium is going to change. And I don't think that it's just going to, I don't think that musicians are are not going to play. I feel like a way is going to be figured out for musicians to play. And and I'm sure that it's going to happen. And I'm actually kind of excited because it's going to change up the dynamic of how you even experience music or you know, like a, this driving thing is, seems to be something that people are doing. Like maybe that means that people will be more like outside and outdoors. I'm kind of excited by the possibilities. Aside from that, we, we just have to do a lot of like, you know, videos from home for now. But that's also kind of <laughs> cool and interesting. And like, you know, we have to produce it ourselves and light it and mix it. And it's kind of nuts. But I feel like lately we've done some and it, and it seems like it's revealed a part of ourselves that we had never really sort of seen and that other people have never seen. So, I mean, I'm 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 cool with doing all these things. But the driving concert is definitely like my 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 big wish. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Gracias, Gustavo. Lovely. Awesome. Thank you guys for taking a little time to talk with us. We know times are busy, you know, especially with the little one, a six-year-old that that takes a lot of time. But <laughs> thank you so much. I mean, this was really a lot of thank fun. Thank you all. Always thank you to Jack Daniels for supporting Latin music, for creating a space for us to get to know these artists a little bit better and get to know their music a little bit better. Jose, thank you very much. Really appreciate everything that Jack thank Daniels does as well. And Guillo and Diana and everybody at Criteria as well and everybody who came along to uh, check this out. Again, thank you, Buscabulla, for being part of this amazing Jack Daniels presenta Pili Raúl en la Música. Remember, their new album, Regresa, is out. Purchase it. Play it, share their music. They all need your support. They're not touring right now because of COVID. So all these artists do need your support. And you can support them by sharing their music, by adding them to your playlist, by calling your local DJs and asking and requesting for their songs. And purchasing. Mira, ahí tienen el, el vinyl que está hermoso y la carátula está hermosa. So go to buscabulla.com. Follow them on all of their social media. Support Musica Latina. 
So thank you guys. Thank you guys so much. Bye everyone. Thank you all. Bye, Bye guys. Buenas noches. Igual. Gracias for checking out our podcast. Hey, and special thanks to Ulises El Licenciado Lozano for our amazing theme song. Our mix and recording engineer, Mario Diaz. Our artistic director, Dak. And can't forget about our sponsors, Pili. No, Raúl, Sure Microphones, and Jack Daniels. Gracias for supporting La Musica Latina. And for more information and other episodes, be sure to subscribe to our podcast at Pili, Raúl, and La Musica. Hey, make sure to tell your tía, abuelo, primas, everybody to subscribe. A todos. Oh,